1: Prime for details.
2: <laughs> hey there, shadowy slopes, and welcome back to Sinister Silhouettes. I'm your host, Tasha, and today we're going to chat about something I'm sure everyone has heard of. Y'all have heard about Devil's Night, right? Well, I'm going to tell you if you haven't, so no worries. Uh, Our journey today will begin with a little work of fiction set in Motown. We'll start by looking through the eyes of Innocence, a child peering out the window on October 30th, trying to make sense of the madness. Maya's Story In the midst of a cold October night in 1990s Detroit, the moon hung low in the sky, casting eerie shadows on the silent, deserted streets. Within a modest home, tucked away in a quiet neighborhood, a child named Maya peered out of her window. Her innocent eyes held a curious spark mixed with a touch of fear. Maya had always cherished Halloween with its promise of dressing up and sweet treats, but this particular night, brought a different kind of anticipation. It was devil's night, and for a child like Maya, the devil hid in the smallest detail. As she gazed from her window, Maya observed those intricate details: the flickering distant orange glow of flames and the acrid scent of smoke wafting through the air. Down on the streets below, she could hear faint echoes of laughter, but it was a laughter entwined with anger and a touch of jubilation. The devil, indeed, Resided in the detail. Although too young to fully grasp the complexities of the world, Maya couldn't help but feel a creeping sense of hopelessness. She wondered why these flames consumed her city, her community, and the once vibrant neighborhoods were now shredded in despair. This young observer's experience on that fateful Devil's Night would etch a lasting impression on her young heart, shaping her perception of the beloved city she called home. Yet, deep within, She carried a glimmer of hope, sensing that this night could become a catalyst for change, not only for her, but for the entire community. Joey's Story As Joey cautiously peered out of his bedroom window, the air was thick with smoke and an angry glow of flames lit up the distant horizon beyond the abandoned house on the corner. Sirens wailed through the streets, one after another, but they struggled to keep up with the growing chaos. It was Devil's Night in Detroit, and Joey's neighborhood found itself right in the eye of the storm. His uneasy gaze followed a group of teenagers dashing by, their laughter and cheers mingling with the echoing firecrackers that reverberated down the block. Joey's father paced back and forth, muttering about vandals and hooligans wreaking havoc on the city. Joey was grappling with the confusion of it all. He couldn't quite fathom why this was happening, but he sensed that Detroit had been on a downward spiral for some time. Hushed conversations between his parents revealed worries about job losses, businesses shutting their doors, and families packing up to leave. His school, too, bore the brunt of the city's decline, with vacant desks where friends had once sat. On this ominous night, All the fear and uncertainty that had loomed over the city surged forth like the flames devouring it. Joey watched as the fires multiplied, blotting out more and more stars in the sky. He felt small and powerless, realizing that nothing would ever be the same. The Detroit he knew, the only home he had ever known, was crumbling to ashes right before his eyes huddled under his blanket, Joey squeezed his eyes shut and wished with all his might to be anywhere else. But deep down, he understood that his city was undergoing a profound transformation and the smoldering ruins left behind would be his new reality. Joey's eyes remained fixed on the chaotic scene outside, the fires raging in the heart of the city. It seemed as if the world was falling apart. Yet under the safety of his blanket, something stirred within him. Memories of his grandfather's stories about a vibrant and thriving Detroit filled his mind. He thought about the heroes who had risen from the ashes of this city, individuals who refused to let despair dictate their future. In that moment, Joey made a silent promise to himself. He wouldn't let the flames outside consume him with hopelessness. Instead, he would be a part of the change, the spark of renewal that Detroit so desperately needed. The road ahead would be challenging. But years later, he would find himself at the forefront of community efforts to rebuild the city he held dear. As for Maya, as she watched the same flames from her window, a different kind of fire burned in her heart. She recognized that Detroit deserved better, that its spirit remained alive beneath the ashes. This night would mold her, not into a participant in vandalism, but into a beacon of hope, a symbol of resilience. Years passed by and Jolie and Maya would cross paths in the heart of Detroit. They were two individuals from different backgrounds brought together by their shared determination to bring light to their city. Together they played a pivotal role in the transformation of Devil's Night into a night of community, unity, and rebirth. Detroit rose from its own ashes, stronger and more vibrant than ever before, all thanks to the unwavering spirit of its people, especially its youth. Now that little work of fiction, of course, is a perfect lead-in to Devil's Night. But before we can even get started with Devil's Night, we should discuss its first cousin, Mischief Night. The term Mischief Night officially surfaced in the early 1900s. That's a night filled with pranks, tricks, and a touch of mayhem, all observed on the night before Halloween, October 30th. The concept of Mischief Night first made its appearance in U.S. newspapers during the 1930s and 1940s. These reports described individuals celebrating Mischief Night as wanting to create a clear separation between the wholesome activities of trick-or-treating and a chaotic night of causing mayhem in their town. Some believed that the pressures of the Great Depression were driving people to engage in these mischievous acts, leading to the emergence of Mischief Night, during that period. In fact, some towns even impose curfews to keep those mischievous spirits in check. So what's it all about, you ask? It's like, traditionally it's a night for a whole spectrum of pranks. We're talking about egging houses, TPing trees, smashing jack-o'-lanterns, spray-painting graffiti, filling mailboxes with shaving cream, soaping windows, and classic ding-dong ditch pranks. It's a night when mischief is the name of the game. Now you might be wondering, where this tradition comes from. Some say it traces its roots back to old Irish and Scottish customs of causing a bit of mischief before all hallows Eve. These customs paved the way for what we now know as Halloween. In the heart of Ireland on the night of October 31st, the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead is said to be at its thinnest. This is the night of Samhain, the ancient Celtic festival that marks the end of the harvest season and the beginning of the winter. On Samhain, the Celts believed that the spirits of the dead would return to the world of the living. To welcome and appease these spirits, the Celts would build bonfires, carve neap lanterns, and leave food and drink offerings outside their homes. One of the most important customs of Samhain was guising. Children and adults would dress up in costumes and masks to disguise themselves from these spirits. Then they would go door to door asking for food or treats. This tradition is thought to have originated from the belief that if you were disguised, the spirits would not be able to recognize you and would leave you unharmed. As the centuries passed, Samhain evolved into the modern-day holiday of Halloween. However, many of the ancient Celtic customs have survived to this day. Today, people all over the world celebrate Halloween by carving pumpkins, dressing in costumes, and going trick-or-treating. Now, Mischief Night is primarily a Northeast affair with New Jersey, Eastern Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Upstate New York, Rhode Island, and parts of Delaware being the main players. Like in some areas of Queens, New York, what they call Cabbage Night has included throwing rotten fruit at neighbors, cars, and buses. Children and teenagers also will fill eggs with Nair, which is a hair remover, and throw them at unsuspecting individuals. I wish y'all would. I wish y'all would. Throw an egg or anything else with some damn hair remover at me. But any who? In the mid-1980s, garbage was set on fire and cemeteries were set ablaze. And you know where things got even wilder? Camden, New Jersey. In Camden, New Jersey, during the 1990s, Mischief Night witnessed a significant escalation culminating in widespread arson. On the night of October 30th, 1991, more than 130 arson attacks occurred. So while Mischief Night certainly caused its own share of problems for cities in the Northeast, one city in the Great Lakes region saw its own spin on the tradition that led to an enormous amount of devastation. Devil's Night, a chilling chapter in Detroit's history, occurs on the night before Halloween, October 30th. It's infamous for a series of arsons and vandalism that plagued the city for decades, gaining notoriety due to the sheer scale of destruction. The violence on Devil's Night in Detroit was a complex issue with various contributing factors, including economic decline, social unrest, and even weather. It's not just about troublemakers causing chaos. It's a story of a city struggling with its own demons. As Detroit faced tough times, its population declined and the nature of Devil's Night changed drastically. The city's economic decline, skyrocketing unemployment, and simmering racial tensions fueled this transformation. In the 70s and 80s, it evolved into a night of arson with hundreds of fires engulfing the city, often consuming abandoned buildings and even residential homes. Because that's how fire works, y'all. You know, whether your intention was for it to consume an abandoned building or not fire is gonna fire and you set up an abandoned building on fire if it's close to someone's home where they are residing fire gonna fire anywho the destruction was worst in the mid to late 1980s with more than 800 fires set in 1984 alone and a number in the hundreds for each subsequent year until 2011 poverty and hopelessness played a huge role in this chaos as people, especially the young, saw arson as a form of rebellion against a system that had let them down. The economic situation in Detroit was like a dark cloud hanging over the city with major industries like automotive manufacturing taking a hit and leading to massive job losses. This left many people struggling to make ends meet, especially in neighborhoods where Devil's Night destruction was most prevalent. High unemployment rates meant that many people, including the youth, Had too much free time, not enough resources, and not enough constructive opportunities. With limited economic prospects, some individuals turned to Devil's Night as a way to voice their frustration, a way to vent their hopelessness through
0: arson.
2: Crime for Details. Poverty and unemployment often go hand in hand with crime and vandalism, and it creates a vicious cycle. As the city's economy declined and jobs became scarce, crime rates, including the destruction on Devil's Night, went up. Racial tensions were also a significant factor, as Detroit was deeply divided during this time. The violence on Devil's Night further strained the city's already fragile social fabric. In predominantly black neighborhoods, the impact was often far more severe. These areas already faced economic challenges, high un- unemployment rates, and housing issues. Devil's Night brought additional devastation. Abandoned buildings, which were more prevalent in these neighborhoods, became prime targets for arson, making the problem of blight even worse. And then with the expectation of random violence and destruction, white arsonists could also target Black neighborhoods, adding a horrifying layer of discrimination to the chaos. In predominantly white neighborhoods, the impact of Devil's Night was less severe. These areas were often better off economically, had fewer abandoned buildings, a more vigilant police presence, and were less likely to be targeted for arson. While no neighborhood was entirely immune to the violence, the effects in white neighborhoods tended to be less destructive. Now, you might wonder if there's anything positive to say about this infamous night, but trust me, there's more to the story than just darkness. Devil's Night left Detroit scarred, both literally and metaphorically. It was a daunting task for firefighters and emergency services to keep up with the chaos, and the media had a significant impact on how Devil's Night was perceived as well. In the 70s and 80s, news outlets sensationalized the events with dramatic headlines and terrifying imagery, giving the impression that Detroit was descending into chaos. And in many ways, it was. For one night, things would soon find its way back to normal. But once that image of Detroit was out, it frightened the residents. It also had a negative impact on the city's image outside of Detroit. I mean, would you want to bring a business to Detroit if you knew that once a year, There was the potential for the fruits of your labor to be burned to the ground. I'm going to suspect that you probably would not. However, as the years went by, there was a shift in how the media covered Devil's Night. They started to focus more on community efforts, highlighting the stories of Detroiters coming together to protect their neighborhoods. This change in narrative helped foster a sense of hope and resilience. Like our stories of Maya and Joey, they would be the young children who watched the news and got uplifted when they saw people out in their communities attempting to quell the violence. That's right, because many of the citizens had had enough and the media played a role in encouraging volunteers to patrol the streets during what had become known as Angels Night. Positive stories about people taking a stand against the violence in their neighborhoods started to dominate the headlines. So the media's sensational approach to reporting Devil's Night not only impacted residents' perceptions, but it also uh, shaped how the rest of the world viewed Detroit. They report all of the negative. If they shine a light on the people causing the, the destruction, it's almost like they're reinforcing the idea that this just is what goes on in Detroit. When they instead began to shine a light on the people who are out there in their neighborhoods protecting their streets, hey, the narrative changes. Because, like I said, in the face of this adversity, Detroiters began to unite. Communities came together to patrol their neighborhoods, to protect their homes and each other. This sense of camaraderie grew out of necessity and slowly evolved into a positive outcome. People were no longer just victims. They were defenders of their city. It's like they went from being the avenged to the Avengers. (laughs) The city implemented curfews for minors during Devil's Night, reducing the number of young people on the streets during the peak hours of trouble. That would cause them to not be a part of this absolute ridiculousness that happened every year, but also to not be a victim to the wilding that occurred. Over the years, the city made efforts to combat the negative image of Devil's Night. Community groups, law enforcement, and volunteers worked tirelessly to reduce the violence. Eventually, the name Devil's Night was completely replaced with Angel's Night as a symbolic shift towards positive change. So Devil's Night had a double-edged impact on Detroit. It brought destruction and despair, but it also sparked a sense of resilience and community spirit that eventually helped the city recover. You might ask yourself why there is so much coverage of Detroit's Devil's Night and less on Camden's Mischief Night when there were similar acts of violence and destruction in both cities throughout its history. One thing is that pop culture will not let Devil's Night die. And by pop culture, especially when we're talking a black culture, it's almost like Some sides of Black culture celebrated the events of Devil's Night. And in my opinion, even though I understand that the people who were involved sometimes had real gripes with the system that governed them, that's not how to voice your gripes. You do not tear up your own community. In fact, you don't tear up anybody's community. But if you were going to tear up a community, why the hell would you tear up your community today and then have the audacity to go door-to-door asking for candy tomorrow. But that's just my opinion. There could be several reasons why there was more coverage of Detroit's Devil's Night than there was on Mischief Night in the Northeast. First, Detroit's Devil's Night had gained notoriety and media attention over several decades. The sheer scale of destruction in Detroit during Devil's Night was unprecedented with Hundreds of fires engulfing the city, leading to a reputation for extreme violence and chaos. This prolonged history of destruction in Detroit might have made it a more prominent and sensational story in the media. Second, Detroit was a major city with national significance, known as the Motor City, and its decline was a subject of concern for the entire nation. The economic decline, high unemployment, and racial tensions in Detroit had already attracted a widespread media coverage. Devil's Night became a symbol of the city's struggles, and the media's intense focus on the events there might have been an extension of their overall coverage of Detroit's issues. And on the other hand, like Camden, New Jersey, while facing similar challenges, is a smaller city, and it might not have had the same level of national prominence as Detroit. The media often focuses on stories from major cities, especially when they become emblematic of larger societal problems. So in essence, Detroit might've simply been the bigger story. It's important to remember that in the 90s, Detroit's population was right around a million people, give or take. There was just a few miscreants out there causing chaos in the city, and it kind of held the rest of these people hostage in their own cities, in their own neighborhoods, in their own homes during this night of destruction look, I'm from Gary, Indiana I can empathize with economic decline, with joblessness I can, I can empathize with those things of not having a prospect of looking out of your window and seeing nothing but blight I can empathize with that, but I can never ever ever co-sign on destroying your neighbor's property, destroying the very businesses that you need to resuscitate your dying economy, I can never co-sign on that type of behavior, even though I can empathize with the socioeconomic factors that may have made you think that this was okay, if that makes sense. As we wrap up this journey through the dark and mysterious realms of Devil's Night and Mischief Night, it's essential to remember that even in the face of darkness, there's always a glimmer of hope. While these nights have seen their fair share of chaos and destruction, they've also witnessed the resilience of communities from Detroit to Camden. People have come together to protect their homes and neighborhoods. They found new traditions, safer alternatives, and creative ways to channel this mischievous spirit into something positive. Just like the phoenix rising from the ashes, these communities have shown that they can overcome the darkest of nights, even the most devilish of nights. So as we close this episode, let's take away the lesson that even in the darkest of times, there's always a chance for redemption, unity, and a brighter, more hopeful future keep that flame of hope burning y'all and remember together we can turn the world on its motherfucking head so i would love to know what you thought about devil's night mischief night or anything for that matter so you can send your feedback to sinister silhouettes podcast at gmail.com before we wrap up this journey into the shadows remember the mystery doesn't stop here fam if you've got a theory, a question, or just want to share your thoughts, don't be shy. Reach out to me on our social media pages because this podcast here is all about community. So look in the show notes for ways to support the show. You can become a patron on Patreon or make a one-time donation via my coffee page. Links to catch up with me are there via Linktree. Oh, my Spring Store link is there also. So if you like to pick out some sinister the Swag, go ahead on and click that link. And if you're enjoying these Sinister Silhouettes as much as I am enjoying bringing them to you, make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Drop a rating. Drop a review. I need all that. I need them all. So make sure you hit subscribe as well because you're not going to want to miss a single spy tangling episode. Until next time, shadowy Swoops, keep your flashlight handy and your curiosity alive. This is Tasha signing off. Stay sharp. Stay sassy. And keep shining a light on those shadows. Be safe out there and happy Halloween. Peace.